privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Uba Zoo Radio. Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect. He didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Drafting the Circuits. Uh, coming off a big weekend of racing in Southern California and down under in Melbourne. Uh, my name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we discuss uh, everything related racing this week. I want to introduce you to my panel uh, with me this week. As always, Mr. Gray Warren from Richard Children's Racing. Gray, how are you? I'm doing great. How's everyone tonight? 
Fantastic. Um, uh, Joey Barnes from IndyCar.com and uh, Editor-in-Chief at Motorsports Tribune. Joey, uh, good to have you back on again this week. How are you? Always good to be here. I'm good. How are you all? Wonderful. Um, Seth Eggert. Seth, uh, you've been... You've been out moving this and that um, on the road. You're back settled in, back on the show. Good to have you back. How you been for the last month, I guess, has been? Uh, tired, but I'm glad to be back. Yeah, and moving is no fun, I'll tell you that. So, And last but not least, Mr. Josh Farmer of Motorsports Tribune. Uh, Josh, great to have you back on the show. How are you today? Good. Glad to be back. Great to have you back. Well, everybody, let's... We got a big weekend of racing discussed, but uh, you know I wanted to start off the show uh, remembering uh, David Steele, um, who lost his life in a sprint car crash, a wing sprint car uh, down in Bradenton, Florida, over the weekend. Um, you know, sad, tragic loss. Dave was 42 years old, uh, had a wife and two children. Um, he's got a you know long career that uh, two-time USAC uh, Silver Crown champion. Uh, he's had a couple starts in IndyCar. Uh, with the Panther team uh, back during the split era. He um, had a couple of stars in the Xfinity Series with NASCAR. Um, he was well-liked, and uh, it's just a shame that he's gone. Um, and uh, Alex Bowman uh, said, you know, I love the open-wheel racing, but something's got to change. And, um, you know, when you think about it, you know, we lost uh, Brian Clawson last year. We lost uh, Jason Leffler a few years ago. Um, you know, Sprint Cup racing is it does not have the same... Uh, safety that we're used to in the top tier series you know we've got a, a congested track uh, cars doing incredible speeds on the small track no safer barriers um they, they don't have the um state-of-the-art medical um on site as they do in the top tier series um but you know racing is dangerous just the same huh yeah but you know, yeah mostly, that's mostly grassroots racing and it's done you know, at all levels, all over the country, in 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 small racetracks and small sanctioning bodies, I, you know, it's when you when you speak of changing things, what what are you going to change? How are you going to change it? I mean, what are you going to do with the sprint cars? You know, they've evolved like all other race cars, but still, it's still it's inherently dangerous. And and you know, we we hear every year where we lose you know, one, two, or three each year. And that, that's, I agree, that's that's one, two, or three too many. But, gosh, what are you, what are you going to change? I mean, it's it's overall just difficult as a as a sport when you get a chance to look at this. And I, I don't want to put a pessimistic cloud over something like this, but uh, to, to be a little realistic, uh, you know, a lot of the tracks at the top levels are owned by, you know, ISC, which is, you know, associated with NASCAR, SMI with their own corporation there, and they have a lot of conglomerates of tracks across the board. Um, there's a reason why NASCAR doesn't go to Lucas Oil Raceway anymore. Uh, they don't they don't really have any stake in the track, and the, the sanctioning fee that, that's needed is just too big for Lucas Oil to, to put together there. And it, it's it's not anything different for a lot of these other places. They're, they're smaller tracks. Uh, they make do with, with the people that come out, the Friday and Saturday night crowds, and it's tough to put up safer barriers or, or taller catch fences, fences or, or things of that nature and, and to put in different safety innovations that we have at some of the top platforms. Um, and unfortunately, unfortunately, without that and without any help, and without any help from NASCAR or any other uh, bigger series, uh, NASCAR obviously being the biggest, um, 
it, it puts a damper on things. And and this is the biggest reason why insurance companies, uh, they their eyes kind of roll in the back of their heads and they get really nervous when a driver talks about doing double duty with the Coke 600 and the, and the Indy 500 is, you know, you're going outside of your element to go race in another series that you don't really have a lot of experience in. That's a huge insurance uh, liability and and so on and so forth. And you've got these guys like Kyle Larson and, and back in the day, Tony Stewart, who still does some stuff. A lot of these drivers that get involved in these, these dirt tracks. And um, I wish they obviously are doing their best to, to push the effort and, and to get everybody to see the, the things that need to be done. And we see Tony Stewart kind of changing the landscape of, of the way things are done. And he's trying to take care of the dirt track community and the, the grassroots community. And I, I feel like, given the, the situation that the, how consistent this is, you would really like to see uh, sanctioning bodies really step up to the plate and do what they could to, to raise awareness, to help out, to maybe even put in some money. It'd be nice to see, to see NASCAR kind of put forth a little bit of money in, in a certain section of tracks. I know they own those, those NASCAR home tracks uh, throughout the, throughout certain parts of, of the East coast and parts of the South. But, you know, realistically, that's a lot of money to be thrown at something and um, not see too much of a return on, and that's how NASCAR looks at it, unfortunately. Yeah, and you know, the, these tracks that we're talking about where the, where the latest batch of fatalities have come have been on small dirt tracks uh, yeah. in, in, in open-wheel sprint cars. And basically, those, those sanctioning bodies that, that, that oversee sprint car racing have done the best they can do with, you know, with uh, with – with rules in regards to car safety and 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 personal safety uh, equipment for the for the drivers, but you know it, it's inherently dangerous and and you know I I don't know what you can do really aside from from not just not having it. I mean, and basically you you know if you try to institute too much, you're going to put those those tracks and those small sanctioning bodies out of business and those guys will have no, have nowhere uh to go race um yeah, i mean if you really get a chance to look at this a little deeper i think nascar is one of the the reason i bring them up so much about this it's not just because of the background and because of the amount of money that that they have compared to a lot of the other racing divisions throughout the world uh, let alone america is because without the grassroots level we don't have the guys we have in NASCAR, whether it be crew chiefs, engineers, drivers. Um, and so I think that they're, you know, if we wipe this out completely and say, you know what, it's it's not safe enough and we, we can't afford it, so we're just going to take this off out of the equation. Um, racing is expensive, and those guys that are in the short track ranks, whether that be uh, dirt track or, or short asphalt or what have you, um, you can make a good living there. But it's also a hard living if, if you're not one of those guys that regularly gets up there and wins races and, and is able to pull sponsorships. So I do think NASCAR needs to make sure that the grassroots level, however they can do it, maybe bringing in sponsorships somehow, some way, they've got to do something to make sure that this is taken care of. Otherwise, uh, racing isn't going to have a future if this continues for, uh, for too long. And you know, and, and basically, we're talking about sprint car racing, and we're not talking about the asphalt series that the late model stock series at NASCARs and the modified series at NASCAR is so heavily involved with. It, it, you know, it, it, as you mentioned, it their home tracks and NASCAR sanctioned tracks uh, throughout throughout the year. You're not can you know typically the the one that 
comes to mind close to home here is Bowman Gray Stadium, the, the longest operating NASCAR sanctioned track uh, in NASCAR. And, uh, of course, they, they take care of that is, that is their venue. That is their style of racing. I, you know, I don't know how much NASCAR's long arm can can kind of go down into some of these other ranks with some of the the, the world of outlaws and the different different sanctioning bodies with uh, sprint car racing. And there's and and there's so many different different sanctioning bodies in in short track racing today, even even in the late model uh, circuits. And I think NASCAR does a particularly good job with with things within their realm, within the, the tracks that they sanction uh, with safety. But basically, we're talking about, gosh, every form of racing under the sun in the United States. Yeah, there's, definitely no, there's definitely no easy answers to it. You know, and and th- there are guys that get uh, get injured and killed in grassroots racing. Um, you know, in every lower level all the time that we'd never hear about. You know, it's, but every now and again we'll have a you know, high profile one, um, like Steele or like Clawson last year, that uh, you know bring a little bit of awareness to it. But like I say, like you said, uh, you know, without uh, a huge influx of money, there's not a lot that can be done. I mean, certainly um, they've done what they can to make the cars safe. Um, you know, and this is—they're not, you know, bringing in the kind of money that uh, that obviously the Monster Cup series is or the IndyCar series. Um, so, but again, you know, racing—you have to have the grassroots level there. So, Seth, you've got a comment? Yes. Uh, as much as I honestly, I hate talking about stuff like this. It's always hard to lose a driver, whether you're a fan of him, whether you've just watched him once or twice or whether you even rooted against that driver. Uh, there's a website that I've used in the past when I was in college and writing papers, uh, motorsportmemorial.org. It keeps track of, unfortunately, uh, fatalities in motorsports, whether it's fans, drivers, crew members, anything that happens at the racetrack. And it is fairly extensive. It, I'll admit it's not complete, but it's fairly extensive. And I'm looking at Brian Clawson's page right now. Uh, that's something I honestly never thought I would actually say. But I'm looking at his page right now, and it it explains a little bit about him, a little bit of what happened that night, a little bit of the rescue attempt, and uh, exactly what happened. Um, as Chip Ganassi said, he's concerned about uh, Kyle Larson running sprint cars. Honestly, whenever I hear any of the drivers running sprint cars, I just dread seeing any stories coming out from there just because of stuff like this. You know, in Tony Stewart's recent injury when he broke his leg really magnified things and, and and magnified the risk and the danger of a high-profile driver uh, from another series stepping down. But, but there again, you know, we talked about this, you know, at length uh, when Tony got injured uh, a couple of years ago. And basically, it's Tony's choice. Uh, Tony does that because he loves it. It's because what he does is what he grew up doing. And he gets... 
a thrill from doing it. He 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 does it because he wants to. The same for Kyle Larson. Uh, you know, we all do. Th- we we you know, coming up, we all do stupid things. We all do things that that but that that we enjoy. And basically, it's 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 how we live our lives. And and the same goes for them. I, you know, I understand Chip's concern when when Kyle Larson goes to race, but you know and. Kyle's got to weigh, you know, a lot of things. What, you know, he he's got a responsibility to his Cup team. He's got a responsibility to his owner, to his sponsors, and things like that too that he has to look at. And he's going to put himself in the best position to reduce that risk. But but the, the but the risk never goes away. But there again, he's a race car driver. He's a racer. It's what he does. It's you know, it's we can't explain it. Uh, I don't even think Kyle Larson or Tony Stewart could explain it to us other than to say it's what they are, it's what they do, it's what they love, and it's what they're going to do. So, you know, and they have the opportunity and the talent to do it, and and, and they're going to do it. And that's the bottom line. Yeah, I think you you hit the nail right on right on the head, Gray. I mean, I think you know, I I, I think um, I mean, kind of piggybacking off of what Seth said. I mean, the the risk of of getting hurt in a, in a sprint car, just, you know, I think it's just, you know, it's an inherent nature of the racing of like what Frank said, you've got tight, tight cars on, on a dirt track. I mean, if, I mean, if those things get, get airborne just by a little bit, you know, that they can be sent, sent tumbling, tumbling over, over the wall and, or, or in, into a fence. I mean, hopefully not in, into the grandstands. I mean, anything like that is possible, but you know, but it's just, it's just, it's just the, the, the nature of the racing and you know i i agree that something needs to be changed but it's just what can be what can be changed in um r- right now and what resources do sanctioning bodies like usac or, or a lot of those independent sprint car um, sprint car organizations you know what resources do they have to try to c- come up with different innovations and I'm, I'm not necessarily seeing a whole lot of that either so yeah, again, like you said, there's there's really no easy answers to it. But um, now, Gray, did you have one more thing on this topic before we move yeah, on? Yeah, one thing, one thing, one thing they can all do, and, and, and it comes with every fatality. Unfortunately, we can learn from it, and 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 take that on to the to the next generation of drivers or the next crop of drivers coming through, and we can learn something from it to better the cars, to better the safety equipment, to better the the things at the track. Unfortunately, that's just the nature of the game, and and uh, we hate to lose one. Uh, and and I, I'm certain, you know, it's not going to be the last fatality we talk about. Unfortunately, you're, you're absolutely right. It won't be. But uh, but again, um, you know, our thoughts and our prayers are with uh, Dave Steele's uh, family and friends, and uh, you know, Godspeed to you, Mr. Steele. Um, now now let's move on. We had uh, in our discussion, we had mentioned Kyle Larson. Uh, Kyle Larson, who had been a perennial bridesmaid this year with, uh, I believe it was three second-place finishes, but uh, Auto Club, Club Speedway, we talked about this last week. We all felt like he would do really well there, and certainly um, uh, he made us look like geniuses, uh, winning stage one and then uh, winning the race uh, there at the end. So, um, you know, I thought Auto Club was a pretty compelling, exciting race. Greg, what would you think? I thought it was a good race. I'd, I thought I'd pick Kyle to win last week. I just thought that with you know he went into this race with a tremendous amount of, of momentum and basically we're looking at you know Kyle could be on a on a on a on a 
about a four race win streak right now very easily he's he's been he's had a good consistently fast car as his teammate uh at, at chip ganassi uh jamie mcmurray those cars have run really really well and, I, and that's been a pleasant surprise uh this year in cup racing the the reemergence, if you will of uh of chip ganassi on, on on the cup side uh those cars are running really well uh but uh kyle went in of course his, his last victory uh was last uh mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Last late uh, late summer at Michigan, a uh, very similar track to uh, to Fontana. He picked up the win there. But uh, Kyle not only did that, uh, he uh, he won the pole for the race and he won the uh, Xfinity race the day before. So definitely he's he's on a he's on a roll. He's got a lot of momentum right now. But I tell you what, uh, a, a, a great drive by the kid. Uh, all day long, kept his car up near the front, had a couple little hiccups during the race, but he found his way back to the front. He had a very strong car and really had to earn it late in the race with the rash of, uh, of late race cautions. But uh, the stronger car uh, prevailed in this race, and, and he was able to bring home, uh, bring home the win. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's one thing I think you're going to see this team continue with a lot of momentum uh don't know what they'll do at uh at martinsville this weekend martinsville's kind of a different nut uh when you compare it to a lot of the other tracks i mean kyle's run well at, he ran well at the super speedway he's running well at the intermediates he ran well at, at, a, at a at a flat one mile in phoenix but uh martinsville's going to be a little bit different uh different uh thing but i would imagine that uh he'll carry some of that momentum him and his team will carry a little bit of that momentum into Martinsville and, and, and have a have a decent decent run there, but don't know if he'll uh, if he's uh, had enough experience at that track to, to master it yet. But we'll uh, we'll see that coming up next weekend. But was a was an interesting race, like you said, Frank. Uh, a lot of things. It started off with a lot a little bit of trouble there on the first lap for uh, or early for for Kazalowski. He got hit in the rear and then ultimately had a tire go down and spun, brought out the first caution. And he had to battle back all day long, and he uh, he rallied late in the race and came up with a with a with a pretty well beat up car, finished uh, in second. So it'd have been interesting to see what he'd have done with a with a with a full car underneath him. Yeah, that uh, looked like a Martinsville car. Yeah, it did. It was it was banged <laughs> up pretty good. It was banged up pretty good. Uh, rough day for some other guys. Uh, uh, Kevin Harvick had a rough day. Uh, s- several others had. Uh, 
had some had some trouble along the way. If Ryan Newman had trouble early, he was able to rally, get back on the lead lap uh, late in the race. Uh, but uh, there again, hats off to uh, to uh, to Kyle Larson. And, and again, I want I want to bring up the stage racing too. I thought some of the some of the some of the stage racing was pretty good uh, to finish up the first stage. That was got pretty hectic there. Some of the racing there to finish that second stage was a little blasé. Um, uh, Truex kind of ran away a little bit with that, got out in clean air and was able to drive away. But the the, the restarts after that were pretty were pretty exciting. And then of course the the uh, the uh, last uh, few restarts there at the end were were some really good racing and and and. Fontana uh, really is is conducive to some really good battles out there. You saw back through the pack a lot of three wide, four wide, even five wide racing in multiple lanes. I, I really enjoyed watching watching the, the the race and how the drivers chose different lanes and different lines throughout the race to make time. So really, it was probably one of the one of the better races I've seen at Fontana. Yeah, I'll agree. I mean, I I think I think just year after year. I mean, Auto Club seems on the NASCAR side, it seems to get better year year after year. I mean, I know earlier today they announced they're going to put off repaving Atlanta until for another year. I think you know I don't know if Auto Club if Auto Club has had any desire to repave their track since the track's never been repaved. But you know, I think the current surface that we have at Auto, Auto Club is is perfect for any any oval track series. And I got to give you know you know. I, I got to give a lot of props to Kyle Larson. I mean, he's easily off to one of the best starts that we've seen in Sprint Cup mm-hmm. r- racing history, either recently or even in, or even beyond. I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, an 11th at Daytona when he very easily could have won the race came about two miles short, and then you know, then four seconds and and a win. You know, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean it's just I think we're. Finally, also seeing Kyle Larson, you know, you know, bloom into what we we've all expected him to be—just a complete good all-around all-around driver—and he's he's finding his footing. And and you know, I mean, just keep your eye on this kid. I agree, and and, and he's, you know, we've all waited for this to happen. I mean, he came in with a lot of, you know, with a lot of hype, and and I think. Uh, I think now he's living up living up to that billing. But you but you touched on the on the track surface there at Fontana. I think it's unique. It's it's 20 years old. Uh, it's bumpy on the back stretch. It brings in the you know the shock pack shock and spring packages that you have to use. And, and I I agree. I, I leave leave the surface alone there and and at Atlanta. Uh, it it creates it it a little you know makes the drivers have to drive. I think basically if you were to go in and pave it, you would for a couple of years till the track got uh, weathered in a little bit, you'd create one of these one groove high speed tracks where 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 you wouldn't be really conducive to passing. Where you would watch the cars kind of the feel kind of accordion accordion so to speak. Where you would have guys get out and come back to the field and guys get better and, and move up through the field. So I think it, both of those tracks this year had very interesting races. And I think, you know, the surface and the, and the teams and the drivers, you know, trying to uh, adapt to those surfaces really made the races uh, compelling. Yeah, I agree. And, and if you look at, uh, so we're five races in, five different winners, uh, all three manufacturers have won. 
Um, it looked mm-hmm. to be a pretty competitive season, especially when you think about the the big names out there that haven't won yet. You know, we haven't right. seen Jimmy Johnson in victory circle yet, nor um, Joey Logano, nor Kyle Busch. Uh, nope. You know, those guys are, you know, certainly, you know, win one this year. Um, you know, have, we had a surprise in Ryan Newman uh, last week. Uh, uh, Kyle Larson, he's been chomping at the bits. So I, I think we're in for a pretty darn good season, mm-hmm. you know. Even, sure. Even the stage racing has is, is slowly grown on me. So, um, you know, Seth, I want to bring you into this here and uh, get some of your thoughts because I know you follow uh, follow the Monster Energy Series quite closely. Yeah, uh, not only you- is the uh, stage racing making hell the races a lot better? But also, look at. I'm trying to figure out where I'm going with this. Sorry about that. Oh, it's uh, okay. We're we're you. We're all like that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Kyle Larson almost had a perfect weekend. He almost swept both stages. Something that I think uh, Trips Junior and Christopher Bell in the Truck Series are the only ones to do that so far. But he swept the entire weekend, the Xfinity race included. Uh, He basically had a perfect weekend. And looking back to last year, he was running well. I think he finished third at Homestead and fifth or sixth at Phoenix as well. But he, like Josh said, is off to one of the best starts any driver has been on so far. And the stage racing has, at least in the Monster Energy Cup Series and so far in the Truck Series, made the racing more compelling. In the Xfinity Series, there's just so many Monster Energy Cup drivers that it's almost diluting the series because only three drivers have playoff points in the Xfinity Series. Two of them from wins, Allgaier and Ryan Reed. Only one of them from stage wins, Elliot Sadler. Yeah, and and yeah, it's kind of it's kind of taken that complexion. But I will say this: the new rule that has has kind of I'm going to say kind of uh, discouraged. Let me use that term: discouraged some of the participation from the Cup regulars in the Xfinity Series has created some uh, some real compelling. Uh, Finishes, I think, because you look at this weekend. You had obviously you had Larson winning, but look back, you had you had some had the the Bush regulars. Although I say Bush series, I'll always it'll always be a Bush series. <laughs> the Xfinity regulars were you know were well represented in the top ten. You had you had Poole in there had had a good finish. Allgaier, a lot of those guys. So it's bringing some of those guys more to the forefront. And I think uh, you know we'll we'll see a little bit of that. Y'all, you're still going to see the cream rise to the top when you know when you put Kyle Busch in an Xfinity car. I mean, let's face it. You know he he's he's got he's an immense talent, and you know he's in great equipment. And you put those two together, and and he's going to go. But I tell you what, I've been really surprised this year at the at the effort that uh, that Sadler has given. He has been right there. Mixing it up in the top in the top five in all of these races, and I mean, you know, for and of course he's got Cup experience down the road, but 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 we look at him now as as an Xfinity regular, and he's been really, I mean, he's been taking his, he's been getting all he can get, and like I say, prop, uh, like like Seth alluded to, how many how many stages has he won in the races that they run this year? He's been one of the more prolific stage winners 
in, in the Xfinity. He's won two. He's won two. Okay, all right. Which but were still, both at Daytona. Right, but he's still been in the mix to to win uh, and finished well in the stages, uh, and he's garnered a lot of uh, a lot of additional points from doing that. So, so I think uh, I'm going to give this deal a little bit longer, and I'm going to I'm going to look. But I've been uh, I was I've been pleasantly surprised at the last couple of uh, Xfinity races I've seen, just seeing some of the. Some of the uh, regulars get up in there and, and mixing it up with the cup guys. Also, uh, going back to Elliot Sadler, his teammates, William Byron, is also uh, up there quite often. Mm-hmm. Right. Same with Justin Allgaier. Right. And Junior Motorsports, which expanded from two full time teams and the All Star car to four full time teams this year. Three of their cars are in the top three in points in the Xfinity series. And their fourth car is eighth in points. That's pretty. That's pretty representative, right there. And then, you, then you've seen. Of course, I think I think we're in for a really competitive year in uh, in the Xfinity series. And hopefully, uh, you know, I think we're going to see uh, along with the Cup series and the Xfinity series, we're going to see a number of first time winners in both series this year. I agree, and I think we'll also see some in the Truck series as well. Oh, sure. If- if Kyle Busch Motorsports doesn't dominate the way they did at Atlanta anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Thor Sport will, uh, will, will have some say about that, uh, too. And, and, and what's the other, uh, what's the uh, other GMS racing, GMS racing. I think they'll have, I think they'll have some say in that too, as we go forward. And, and really we are, we're going to get to see what the truck series run for only what the third, the third time this Their year. third race is uh, Saturday. This weekend, this Saturday at Marginal. So we'll get a little bit better feel of, you know, what we're going to see uh, see going forward uh, going forward uh, in the truck series this weekend, too, when they have their race. All right, so I still want to – we hadn't talked a whole lot about the drive of the race, you know, a little bit, uh, but that was Kozlowski. I just want to get that in there again. <laughs> Good, good, uh, good well, job for the Penske well, driver there. Good job. Not, well, not only Kis, sorry for interrupting, but not only Kislowski, but Logano, who missed qualifying, started thirty fifth and finished fifth. Yep, yep. I mean, good so day for you the, can I say mean, Team the, Penske. The Penske team has been strong uh, in the Cup Series this year. I mean, I, I, I want to say Kislowski's been in the mix, uh, close to the win every race this season. Yeah, and, it was and, and Logano's been right up there too. So, uh, you know, these guys, you know, it's almost like watching IndyCar racing now. Penske and Ganassi at the, up top. Right, and, <laughs> and, and, and where's where's Jimmy Johnson boards, and where's too. Dale Jr. <laughs> yeah, well, Dale Jr.'s them still kind of struggling a little bit there. I think what Junior Junior probably had his best finish of the year, a sixteenth uh, this weekend. So, you know, he's struggling trying to that, that he and his team trying to find their way again but i believe i believe they'll uh they'll find it you know and, and they'll keep working at it good finish for the fords out there like you mentioned keselowski was second uh logano was fifth their their teammate uh ryan blaney uh, brought it home brought home a top 10 and ninth and then clint boyer what a good run for him that's probably the best that's the best finish he's had uh in in a number of years i think in, in about two years he so he he comes in and gets a gets a solid uh, third. I thought was he third? Yeah, third solid third place finish. 
But yeah, Boyer, that, yeah, uh, it was a great run for Boyer, yeah, because he, yeah. he kind of, you know, fell out of public consciousness last year when he was in his transition season before he could take over Tony Stewart's ride. He was saddled with, uh, uh, you know, a, a lower-budget team. Um, right. But, and he, uh, yeah, so, I mean, and again. And he's still learning. Yeah, we, we've seen that the um, the Stewart Haas cars have been, you know, on point this year as well. So, uh, yeah. now, Seth, you've got a, you've got a thought about Jimmy Johnson? Yes, uh, looking at the first five races this season, both Jimmy Johnson and Dale Jr., it's almost like the two dominant teams from Hendrick flip-flopped. The five and the 24 shop, which is Casey Kane and Chase Elliott, have been up front almost every weekend. Meanwhile, Jimmy Johnson and Dale Jr. have been struggling, where in previous seasons it's been the opposite. I'm not sure if anybody else has noticed it, and we are only five races in. But it is something to pay attention to. Yeah, yeah, they it, it does appear that they've kind of flip flop positions. But I, I'll tell you, I don't, I don't think we're. Jimmy has some of Jimmy's bad runs have been a, been he's where he shot himself in the foot, pit road penalties and things like that too have 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 hurt him. And he's uncharacteristically he's he's had some on track uh, incidents uh, too. I think they'll turn it around, and I think one of the tracks that they've got circled on their calendar is this weekend going to Martinsville. That's a that'd be a good place for that uh, for that team to get well in a hurry. Yeah, I mean, when I'm looking at this and you're talking about getting well in a hurry, um, the guy that comes to mind is Matt Kenseth, who took a, a really vicious hit there late in the race, um, you know, hitting the inside of the the backstretch wall there, and I mean, he's in really good equipment with Joe Gibbs Racing. And we're watching Matt Kenseth have probably one of the worst starts of his career. Uh, he's got three finishes of 36th or worse. And, yeah, he finished third at, at Atlanta, and he's got a ninth uh, the following week. But when you're sitting here seeing this, at Phoenix he had the tire happen, the blown tire. Now he's got this this incident that happened late in the race. Um, you feel like it could he, – he's one of those guys that consistently is running in the top five but continues to have these miscues happen. <laughs> And, you know, we're alluding to Larson being on the road. And I feel like if everything goes, if everything goes right for, for Kenseth, we could see him kind of rebound back. But if not, um, there's going to be a lot of people. He's in a contract year, to the best of my knowledge. And, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of people clamoring for, for maybe somebody else to be filling that seat before long if, if things don't work out. You know, I think I think too. You made a valid point. He's been caught up, and he's been caught. He was caught up in the wreck at uh, at Daytona, and he's and he's wrecked at. Uh, it had a big tire had a big tire blow at um, at Phoenix, and he's taken two big licks really, in, in uh, lately, I think too. You know, a lot of that's just bad luck, um, ra- bad racing luck. Uh, you know, we're going to some tracks after Martinsville that really fall into his wheelhouse. We'll be going to Texas and Kansas and some places like that. So I think, you know, we can probably get a little bit better handle on just how that team is running and uh, after those two races and just see how, how Kenseth responds going, going there. I, I take a little bit of, you know, a look at uh, Atlanta as, as, you know, a good sign for them how they can run and how you know and, and this is typical how, of how he runs at some of these mile and a half so let's uh let's see what he does going into texas and kansas in uh 
maybe we'll get a little bit better idea of how his season's gonna gonna go going forward. Yeah, I don't think you can keep Kansas down too long. I mean, I I, I disagree that the 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 villagers are going to be with uh, torches and pitch, pitchforks to run Kansas out of town because I think before yeah. all, all said and done, he's going to win two or three races this year and he'll he'll be in the the playoffs because um, the man is just a consistent performer and he's with the top team. Um, I don't think Kenseth has lost uh, his edge at all. Um, well, you know, I'm not. So. I'm not saying he lost his edge, though. See, what I'm saying is, and and this was a lot of the talk last year about him kind of being maybe pushed out of that seat a little bit in yeah. favor of Eric Jones. So, mm-hmm. all I'm suggesting is that these things don't continue to go in favor of Kenseth. Right. The whispers gonna, get louder. Yeah, and and he's in a contract year, and yeah. I've been saying this since before the season started. Is I feel like Eric Jones is the guy that's going to move over to the twenty seat mm-hmm. um, when Kenseth has gone, and then you're going to see Furniture Row. They're going to have a two car team, but we might be seeing Carl Edwards come back into that seat alongside Truex. That's how I see this thing. If I'm playing the chessboard and looking at everything, that's how. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I see it playing out, and I mean, Kenseth's not a young man. Uh, he's done a lot in in the Cup Series. Uh, he's done a lot in the I'm going to go with Gray here, the Bush Series. And um, you know, it. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's got, got. Yeah, I mean, he's got. He doesn't really have uh, a ton of time left. Neither does yeah. guys like Johnson or Junior or other right. guys like that. We're about to see a huge turnover in young talent in the series. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, those guys aren't getting any younger, and Matt Kenseth could retire tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and have nothing to be ashamed of, and, and be, oh, a hall of fame, of fame, be a hall of fame, hall of fame in a couple career, of years. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Two so. day, two day, two day, ton of five hundreds. Series a championship. championship. Yep. Yeah, a championship. So I mean, you know, he's he's got the he's got the credentials, and, and probably you know definitely I, in, in my mind a first ballot, uh, a first ballot hall of famer. But yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. The whispers when you do when you do start off like this. The whispers get louder, but I, I do believe, you know, that that for his team, like we talked about, Jimmy Johnson's team circling Martinsville uh, on their calendar. I'm sure that you know those guys have got places like Texas and 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 uh, and uh, Kansas circled on their calendars. That's that'd, that'd be a good place. And I tell you, Kansas runs well at Bristol too, and that that's coming up uh, pretty soon too. So he's got some good tracks where he's had some success at. Uh, coming up, so we'll just uh, we'll just have to see. And the best way to put those rumors and those whispers to rest is get up there and and produce. Absolutely, yeah. So let's um let's move on to Formula One. But before we do, um, let's make our picks for Martinsville. Um, and I'm going to start with you, Josh Farmer. You get the first pick for Martinsville. Huh? I got the first pick last time I was on the show. I feel so honored. Um, you can pick Rusty uh, Wallace. He's won there a lot. Uh, <laughs> or Daryl Waltrip. He could pick Daryl Waltrip. <laughs> yeah, those were two of my picks. Richard well, Petty, all-time <laughs> winning driver there. There you go, yep, yep. <laughs> All right, well, I think um, uh, I'm going to kind of go um, go a little bit against the grain, and uh, I'm going to pick Kyle Larson to go back-to-back. I think this hot this hot streak that he's on, he's going to 
and, and he's gonna he's gonna break through and get get a win on a short track now. Okay, that's uh, that's a bold pick, man. But I like it. I like it a lot. Um, Gray, you could be next. Who you like for Martinsville? And well, Gray, been, are, Gray been, are you going to Martinsville? I know generally a lot yes, of times you go yes, down there. I'm so gonna, I'm gonna go to Martinsville. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy me a ticket and I'm gonna put on my Wood Brothers T-shirt and old school Wood Brothers T-shirt and I'm gonna sit up in the stands and and whoop it up. I'm gonna I'm gonna, and, I'm and, gonna enjoy. And you're gonna root for Blaney. Oh, I'm gonna root for all of them, but I'm just oh, gonna yeah. wear. I'm gonna go old school, wear my old Wood Brothers T-shirt, and go up there and have a good time and and mingle mingle with the rest of the fans. But I, I've been preaching about uh, Jimmy Johnson getting well and going there. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the 48 this weekend to uh, to get uh, get off his snide there and and, and pick up the win. Pretty, pretty how, many, how, many, how many Martinsville right? hot dogs are you gonna eat? I'm gonna eat a few. You can believe that. <laughs> over under, over under of ten or fifteen. Uh, not, not quite that many. <laughs> I, I don't. I think the heartburn would 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 overtake me there. I'll probably eat eat uh, at least four and wash them down with some Mick Ultra. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, Seth, you get the next Martinsville pick. Well, looking at the past performance and the way this season's gone, I'm gonna go with Brad Keselowski. He, he's bound to win at some point. Why not uh, with a grandfather clock? Well, I guess uh, it's going to be down to me to be the next one because I know Frank's going to be the last one. And I got laughed at last week by a lot of people for taking Boyer to, to win, and he almost came out with it yeah, finishing he did, P3. He did, yep. So um, I'm looking at this, and obviously Denny Hamlin's somebody that's a favorite for a lot of people, but I love what Hendrick Motorsports does at Martinsville, and for that reason, I think Chase Elliott grabs his first win, and it's going to be a Martinsville clock. So, uh, yeah, for the 2-4 back in victory lane. Okay. All right, all right, uh, good stuff. Uh, and, and you mentioned Denny Hamlin. I have a hard time picking against Denny Hamlin in Virginia. Uh, he, he's a Virginia He's a Virginia boy. Um, you know, uh, the fans love him there. He's run, run well there. Um, he's due a win this year. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Denny Hamlin and uh, and again I'll just throw this out again Martinsville is my absolute favorite track on the NASCAR schedule it was the site of the first uh, live NASCAR race I ever went to back in oh, about the time Seth was born um, <laughs> and I think, oh so 1991. Yeah. okay so it was before Seth was born <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, uh, Jeff Bodine won that uh, that first Martinsville race, but I used, I used to live in Roanoke, Virginia, which is about you know an hour from the track, and I would go to that that race uh, twice a year, every year, and just have the best time. And Gray, I'm jealous that you're going. Um, maybe maybe I'll get the wherewithal together, and uh, I'll come down to the fall race, and maybe we can we can sit together in the stands and share that mix. So, there you uh, go, guys. Yeah. I hate to tell you tell you who won the first race I went to at Marshall. I'll be telling you my age then, but I I have seen. Uh, so it was like that seen, David Pearson, right? No, I did. <laughs> I, I see, Pearson won there uh, you when I saw him. Oh, I, the <laughs> king won. The king won the first race I ever went there. Is a long time ago. <laughs> All right. So anyway, let let's move on to Formula One. Um, and uh, Joey, I want to start with you. Um, there was a neat post on Motorsports Tribune today saying that if you had the first name Sebastian, um, th- that was a good place to be. Sebastian, uh, guys named Sebastian have won the opener in what Formula E, um, IndyCar. Um, was was it uh, 
WWRC and F1. And then F1. So Sebastian Vettel, um, you know, he took it to Mercedes. There, He sure did. Um, he got out front, and it turns out that the Formula 1 cars passing isn't as easy as we thought it would be or we knew it would be hard. So, uh, But, Joe, I'm just going to go ahead and let you take us through um, the events of Australia, and then we'll jump in, okay? Well, uh, Lewis Hamilton... Lewis Hamilton got on pole, and uh, Vettel was second, um, and that kind of got everybody really happy to see that that potential Vettel-Hamilton rivalry, and it it played true to form throughout the race. Uh, we had good strategy uh, throughout the race. We, we sat there and saw Hamilton pit a little bit early and get caught out behind Verstappen. Of all the people to get caught behind uh, was Max Verstappen, toughest guy to pass by a lot of people's standards, and Vettel was able, who was running second at the time, was able to kind of gap that lead. And so when he pitted, he just continued to maintain that that gap out front. And that's how he managed to get ahead of Hamilton. And, um, you know, he, that just that became the, the story of the race. And, and Hamilton finally got a chance to, to get by and was running P2. Uh, his teammate at Mercedes, new teammate, Botas, was running P3. That's ultimately how the podium ends up as Vettel, Hamilton, and Botas. But I think what's interesting to note here is is a couple of things. Obviously, there's several storylines coming out of Australia, but Botas early on had some pace, it looked like, to bypass Hamilton. And for whatever reason, and I'm not going to say that it's team orders or anything else because I didn't hear anything like that, but for whatever reason, uh, Hamilton, who said he was struggling a little bit there with pace and Botas was catching him, never managed to get ahead of Never managed to get ahead of Hamilton um, for, for whatever reason. So um, Kimi Raikkonen comes home fourth. He did score the fastest lap, so it's 44th fastest lap. Uh, continues to, to try to close the gap, which is insurmountable to, to the great Michael Schumacher. Um, Raikkonen second all-time in that list. And then behind him, we got Max Verstappen, Felipe Massa, Sergio Perez, Carlos Sainz Jr., Danny Cavat, and Esteban Ocon uh, closing out the points, getting his first ever points. Uh, late in the race, him, uh, you talk about difficulty passing there, Frank. He decided to pull a move on the front straightaway on, on Fernando Alonso for 10th. Him, Nico Hulkenberg, uh, and Alonso went, ended up going three wide into turn one. And he, he pulled off a move on, on the two-time champ and, and held him off to boot and uh, held off Hulkenberg. So it was a sensational drive by Ocon to, to pull that off. But, um, you know, some interesting other storylines to go further down the grid is Antonio Giovinazzi. He was a late fill-in, late arrival for, for Sauber. Uh, Pascal Wehrlein said he was unfit to race. Uh, you Everybody remembers Pascal Wehrlein got into that accident at Race of Champions, didn't drive the first week in preseason testing in Barcelona. That went to Giovinazzi, who's a, a Ferrari reserve driver. He ends up getting P12, almost made Q2 in qualifying, which would have been amazing in an older Ferrari engine. Ends up getting getting 12th in, in a Sauber ahead of Stoffel Van Dorn, uh, the 2015 GP2 champion. And that right there is your list of who actually finished the race. Get a load of this retirement list. we got Fernando uh, both, Alonso both, retiring. Both, both Haas cars. Yeah, both Man, Haas cars. Miserable weekend for Haas. Um, Fernando Alonso had a suspension issue. Kevin Magnussen made contact with Marcus Erickson there on the first lap, and that just eventually plagued him until he retired on lap 46. Uh, Lance Stroll, the rookie who we gave a lot of, has taken a lot of flack uh, for for a lot of his mistakes and miscues early on over the preseason and in in practice. Uh, he had a brake failure. Daniel Ricciardo, hometown boy, um, 
had a really rough outing in qualifying Q3 backs it into the fence in turn 14. Um, they had to change out the gearbox and he ends up having a miscue before they, uh, b- before morning warm up, and they have to bring the car back and he had to start from pit lane two laps after the race had started. So really tough outing. He had to retire a little less than halfway through just with fuel issues. And, um, as you alluded to Romain Grosjean, he had a water issue, um, so uh plaguing plaguing him so that's kind of the shakedown from australia i think what we really have though is a really good baseline for these cars uh i know a lot of people are are complaining uh we don't have as much passing reality is we've got some cars that are bad fast they look good and you're not going to have everything absolute right now uh, especially with something that's in development and that's certainly what you're going to have with this car um, the next round of updates are expected to be around Monaco, so it's going to be around late May. Um, so you know that's when McLaren expects to to have an upgraded Honda engine as well. So hopefully they'll they'll be kind of in the mix. But um, you know I, this package is going to favor Mercedes, Ferrari, and even Red Bull to a to a certain degree at various racetracks. You're not going to have just Mercedes going going nuts and dominating this whole thing uh, from here till the end of the season at every track. You might see them sne- uh, get there in, in China the next round, but at Catalonia, you could very easily see Ferrari bring it back. So there's going to be some give and take. There's going to be a lot of learning and growing pains along the way, but I really think that we've got a really solid championship fight. The two best drivers of the last decade are currently first and second in points, and I think that that's how it's going to maintain all the way through the end of the season. It's going to be a slugfest. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that the uh, the new package played well. I mean, it's it's a little early to tell. We've only we're only one race in, um, but uh, I, you know the speeds are incredible um, to to what yeah. we've been used to seeing. They're 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 you know three four seconds a lap quicker um, than we saw just a year ago, and just the fact that uh, you know Vettel won the race. Um, it, you know, Joey, like he'd like to say, when the red car wins, it's good for Formula One. Um, and uh, you're talking Mercedes and um, Ferrari mixing it on up. So, you know, good on that. I, I hope we see a very competitive I, season. I tell you what was so awesome about this is you could tell I mean, Ferrari has been just very cutthroat during the preseason. They did their launch. They didn't have media availabilities or anything like that. Preseason testing, they didn't really want to give away too much. They're very short with a lot of the people and kind of twisting the terminology of Liberty Media's version of of cooperating with the media by doing some social media things instead of bringing Kimi Raikkonen in on Thursday for the driver press conferences. And so there's some little finite things, but you could see all of that work and you could just see how much this meant to them, how much vindication that Vettel felt and, and Arriva Bene, the team principal, felt and Sergio Marcioni who was there because that emotion just came out and was just exuded the second that he crossed the finish line. The, the emotions up on the podium, uh, the emotions with the team, the crowd. I mean, you could hear the crowd even from the world feed. Uh, you're sitting there watching it at home. The world feed was just loud and um, fans were storming. A little too early on the yeah. parade lap there, but um, I, everything that, that they were trying to do, they did, and I think there's a lot of indication. They went winless last year. That's obviously not going to happen now, uh, winning this day, this first race of this year. So it, we've got something really special in the making, and um, you know the package, like you said, Frank, it may be a little too early to tell, but if I'm going to baseline this, 
China's more of a fast track. Maybe we see a Williams kind of sneak up there because they always seem to have a streamlined package. And it'd be kind of cool to see Felipe Massa get one more before he officially, finally hangs it up. Retires again. Now, Gray, you had a comment? Yeah, yeah you know, I, I was encouraged by the race. I, I, I really enjoyed watching it. Um, when you talked about how the emotion and, and the fan support, if you if you see the, the ovation that he, that – Vettel gets as he comes out of the last turn and approaches the the whole crowd rises as one. You know when when he as he's coming to the to the checkered flag. I thought that was pretty amazing. But I had a I had a couple of takeaways from the race. And um, once uh, you know after the pit stop that uh, Vettel was able to come out in front of uh, Verstappen and uh, and and Hamilton, and he was able to to kind of hold them off and be able to gap. Uh, gap the rest of the field and, and ultimately pull out to about a nine second, nine second lead. You know that that just tells me we we and, and I'm going to draw a little NASCAR kind of comparison here too. Tells you how much clean air means to these to these cars and their current aero setup. How they've got these these are some oh man these these cars the the front wings on these things they are they are aerodynamic machines and what they what they're able to produce. And I think as we go forward, I was really encouraged by the pace of the Ferrari. I think that's something we haven't seen in the last couple of years. And, and like, uh, like it was alluded to earlier, I think we're going to see different, different tracks come, in, come into the hand of certain cars. You know, we're going to see Red Bull prevail at some track where they're going to run better. We're going to see Mercedes, obviously, uh, do well at, at a lot of tracks, but I think we're going to see Ferrari come in at some of these tracks. And I think, I think we're, I want to see a season where not one team totally dominates. I want to see some other races where we've got Ferrari coming in there and picking up, picking up wins, uh, Red Bull coming in and picking up wins and maybe, maybe another manufacturer. We just have, have to see as it goes, but, but it's encouraging, but, but there again, what I'm, what I'm seeing with the arrow on this thing is, when a car gets out in clean air, that that means everything. So I don't, you know, I believe if maybe the Red Bull had got out front, you know, uh, in in clean air, he may be may may very well have been able to hold off the rest of these guys because you know the other cars are back in turbulent air and Mark making the downforce that they that they need to make and and uh, and doing. I think at one time I was listening to some of the in car when. Uh, uh, Hamilton's engineers were urging him to get up, go ahead and get around Verstappen. That he needed to to go ahead and 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 overtake Verstappen so he could so he could keep pace with uh, with the Ferrari. And uh, you know Hamilton's reply on the radio was, you know, how do you expect me to do that? That's easier said than done. And I don't think it was so much. You know, I know we we all know Verstappen has 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 a reputation for being hard to pass, but I think a lot of that too was, you know. How the how the Mercedes were reacting in the wake of the Red Bull too had had something to do with that that as well. But we'll see how that goes on. And you talking about the upgrades coming up later in the year? It's going to be a full on arms race uh, the rest of the year between Red Bull and Mercedes and uh, and Ferrari uh, going forward uh, with this thing. And we'll I think you know who knows who knows how this season's going to end and what's going to prevail throughout the middle part. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think overall, I mean, this was this was probably one of the better Australia races I've seen in a in a long time. I mean, I mean, I think I think Vettel played the strategy call and and had had the pace and ultimately, I mean, you know, because I I know Joey had mentioned that people say that the that this car it's gonna it's gonna be hard hard as all hell to pass, but Formula One sometimes is not not about passing the cars on the track. I mean, granted, Chris Economaki said it best: racing is passing. But you know, Formula One's all—it's all about you know teamwork, strategy, and for lack of a better term, just playing the chessboard. And I, I think you know Vettel, Vettel played it good. But I kind of want to go go down the grid order, and I want to give a little bit of a—I don't want to say a shout out, but 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 Danny Cavat kind of flew flew he flew under the radar, and he I, I believe he finished in ninth. But he but but and but during the opening stint, he went he went the, he went around 35 laps on ultra soft tires, and he was still. He, he was still keeping pace with um on his ultra sauce at at the end of the stint and then and then after and then that gamble actually ended up paying off because he was he was go he was going a second a lap quicker than the guys the guys he was racing with at the time i mean granted he still finished ninth he didn't he didn't really move up from where he from where he started but but still you know going 35 laps on on ultra softs mm-hmm. you know it's you know he, you know i mean that's that's not that's just not something you see every day, but uh, but I kind of want to delve a little bit further into the back of. I'm just wondering, you know, you know, what is McLaren gonna do if 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 things don't start picking up? I mean, it's pretty pretty clear that Fernando Alonso has become very very d- 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 disgruntled. Would be putting it lightly with the whole situ the whole the whole situation with you know the the Hondas. They're not reliable. They don't they don't have the power. And you know, and and if you don't if you don't have the power, you're not you know that's half the battle in Formula One. Yeah, I mean, the a lot of the things that, that came out of the of practice was that they weren't running full pace. They were actually running 15% down compared to their maximum because the cars were getting a, a vibration, and so they had to run a little bit less there. They were trying to mitigate a lot of the problems, um, and the the Honda F1 boss uh, Hasegawa, I forget his first name. But uh, he's the one that actually said that, that they're doing everything they can uh, to give full support, and they're aiming for the upgrade to come uh, around Monaco, and they're going to do everything they can between now and then to try to mitigate the problems that they have. Um, I think for the time being, the best thing you could hope for is, is strategy calls and, and to at least get things correct uh, in, terms of, in terms of that and to try to maximize points. It's going to be really tough for them um, for the next – couple of months and that's not going to be something that i know zach brown just reported today that he wants fernando alonso to stick around for for another five years i don't know if you're going to have him in around another five races if this stuff keeps up mm-hmm. uh, just wow. i mean you know that he's in a contract year as is vettel and raikkonen and, and botus there's a lot of free agents on the market a lot of key valuable championship caliber championship winning free agents uh, after this season should they not extend any deals but when you when you get a chance to look at this i think this is going to ride its ship i think it's going to take some patience and you know if alonzo leaves this is going to sound really terrible but it seems to me the team seem to do okay after he leaves um you know i look at mclaren they seem to do okay and uh you look at ferrari they've they're certainly at least contending for wins again. And um, it was a little rough there during the stint that him and Massa were there. They just, yeah, he had that one year that he was probably the best driver that didn't capture the title that year against Vettel. I think it was 2012. But um, 
you know, all, all things in comparison, he's not the youngest guy on the grid anymore. He's still one of the best. Um, and I think he's just got to practice some patience. And you know what? Uh, personally, for me, I'm looking at this, and, and he has all my respect because – and he didn't always have my respect. But I didn't think he was going to be able to wait it out this long, to be honest with you. I thought that um, he, after one year he'd be ready to be like, oh, damn it, I made a mistake and, and try to jump ship. But um, I, I expect Honda to be, be doing something around that timetable. Uh, they're doing everything they can. I, I don't, they're allowed four engine changes throughout the year. Uh, any more than that, and they they receive uh, some pretty heavy grid penalty uh, grid penalties. On the other hand, twenty cars on the grid, and you're already starting sixteenth. How bad can it be? Um, so we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, it, they've got to fix something. Otherwise, they're going to struggle with uh, keeping Alonso. Yeah, well, well, I, I kind of want to pick your brain a little bit on Alonso. I mean, you've mentioned you know teams seem to do better after he leaves. It's you know with with a lot of the with a lot of you know the 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 a lot of the bridges that that for lack of a better term you know he's burned a few burned a few um, bridges and wore out his welcome. It's like if if you know if something happens at McLaren you know you know where where does he go? I mean I don't see Ferrari for Ferrari to to take taking him back. I mean granted we no. don't know what's up. Uh, it'll, right. it'll be Mercedes. Um, I, I mean even if Bottas goes and wins. Um, three or four races and finish a second in the championship. Um, they may be super happy with Botas. I think Botas will just return to Williams, or and, and they'll go after Alonso, uh, even though they know that relationship was toxic um, at, at McLaren several years ago, about a decade ago. Hamilton's rookie year. Fact of the matter is, Total Wolf has expressed interest in Alonso, and he mm-hmm. knows the kind of talent. And, and let's be honest, of all the teams on the grid, Mercedes is probably the only big team he hasn't gone to besides Red Bull and and torn stuff up. So um, I think it's going to be that. Um, I don't think he wants to go to another small team. He'll dip off to WEC and go race for, for Porsche or, or some big program over there uh, before he competes at a, at a Sauber or even a Williams. Um so, yeah, we all yeah. we all know how cyclical Formula One is, and it and how it goes with Alonso's luck. And he would go with he he would sign and go with Mercedes, and it would be at the end of their cycle. And you know you'd see the emergence of of uh, Ferrari or another team come up, and it he would it wouldn't be the same Mercedes that he was racing against. But that's just all speculation, and I, but, you uh, know. You know I was thinking about the race and, and, you know, talking about how, how close it was or better a race it was. But I thought the pivotal part in the race to me this weekend was when Hamilton was leading before the, before the pit stop that, that uh, Vettel was able to, to overtake and, and, and get the lead, how close the, he was able to keep in contact with, with Hamilton. And, you know, in, in you know, the past couple of years, that wouldn't have happened. Uh, Hamilton or whoever whoever was in the Mercedes would have would have driven away, and I think that uh, you know Vettel being able to keep in contact with the Mercedes through the first part of the race, he was able to capitalize on 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 pit stop strategy. What, what well, do you? Yeah, I mean, I, I tell you what's so interesting. We're going to have like a tech moment here for for a second. Is the one thing that Mercedes hasn't been able to do 
is close up on a car. And we, we saw it in practice. We saw it. In, we're not going to see that kind of thing in qualifying, but in practice, we didn't see it in the race. We didn't see it. The closest we saw was Botas get within range of, of Hamilton. And maybe that's the reason we didn't see Botas able to pass. The cars are wider. There might be that little bit of optical illusion that where a driver might be a little hesitant because we're used to seeing cars a little narrowed up, but the front end of, of the Ferrari if you go to take the front wing off and you take the wheels off, they've got, like cup cars or any other other form of, of racing, they've got some brake ducts in there. But those brake ducts actually have aero fins in them mm-hmm. that are, are tipped a certain angle um, every which way. And there's they've got about four or five different uses on, on the left front and the, le- and the right front suspension. And I think it's so interesting. I think that whatever they've done behind that front wing and the underbody, under tray of the front wing, it is helping limit arrow, front arrow wash. And that's yeah. when we get a lot of high downforce, the one thing we heard in IndyCar and in a lot of other forms of racing is, is I've got front arrow wash. Ferrari's found a way to minimize that because let's not, let's not take this away. And I, this could be Ferrari's play. They went from 1.6 seconds back all the way to eight tenths up on him before Hamilton dropped down to, to the pit lane. Mm-hmm. And I think what's so critical, and maybe this is the, the, the plan, Hey, we, we know we don't have a car that's a great lead car, but if we've got somebody taking the air off, we can just continue to hang back because we're not losing that front grip because these tires that Pirelli gives us, ultra soft, super soft, they don't have much degradation. And maybe we'll just, hey, you're moved first, and we're going to do – it's always who moves second is usually the guy that ends up winning these yeah. races. And if you could just follow suit, then you're just going to continue to outwork them on strategy because you're just going to tweak your setup just slightly different. And that could be the play for the first part of the season. Yep, and, and I agree with what you're saying too because they a lot of off-season, a lot of really technical work in, the, in those front wings for both Ferrari and Mercedes. But you're right. Uh, that's going to help them down the road because once I think once a car, once they get out in clean air, they prove what they can do this weekend. They can they can gap. Uh, well, to be fair, Mercedes Mercedes didn't show that. To be fair, right? They did. They did not show it because because that's what I was saying about. To me, that was that was the pivotal part of the race was was Vettel being able to stay in contact with the Mercedes. You know, uh, just just you know, not too far back to where he could capitalize. You know, with strategy. So yeah, if if that's the way it's going to be. Uh, this year, I think we're in for uh, we're in for some good uh, for in some in for some really good races. Yeah, we've got we've got roughly uh, another week and a half, two weeks before before Australia happens or before China happens. Excuse me, but this is a great baseline, and um, I feel really good about the product moving forward. Yep, yep, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited for Formula One. Yeah, and we've got like we've got China coming up on April 9th, and April 9th will also be. Um, the 43rd uh, Long Beach Grand Prix um, for the IndyCar, yeah. so that that's going to be a great weekend of racing there. Um, but uh, let's uh, let's uh, we're we're just about out of time, or we are out of time. We're in our overtime green white checker uh, right now. So uh, let's touch on a little IndyCar news. I did want to mention um, uh, Pippa Man, who's a good friend of the show, uh, made her made her um, plans public that she'll be back with Dale Coyne again. Uh, at the Indianapolis 500, once again, uh, in support of Susan G. Komen Foundation, running the number 63 car with Dale Coyne Racing. Um, and, and if you look at it, 
you know, Coin has uh, spent some money this year um, getting Sebastian Bourdais in there as a as a you know definitive number one driver, uh, getting some engineering help in there. Um, they won the first race of the season. This could be Pippa's, uh, you know, best shot at Indy to not uh, hold up the rear and, um, you know, qualify in the, the top half of the grid and have a decent finish. I recall last year she was uh, running in the top ten in the late stages of the race. So, um, you know, good on Pippa. Good to see her um, um, back in the 500. I, I, I think this is her fifth consecutive year um, with Coyne. Um other news, we've got uh, Zach Veach is, uh, said he's pretty close to a uh, uh, ride for the 500. He's been talking with uh, Ed Carpenter, um, had a good test with them earlier um, earlier in the offseason. He's also been talking with uh, Andretti. He's got that fifth car. So um, it'd be interesting. This is the time of year when the, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take that uh, the regular grid of 21 and add the uh, 12 drivers we need to get to uh, the 33 uh, as all these deals come through. Yeah, we'll start seeing some some entries come up. When is the when is the uh, when is the uh, window open for entries for the five hundred? Well, I believe the window is open now for entries, and it doesn't close until right before the right before the the beginning of May. This whole month of April, you'll be seeing all those uh, kind of deals come through, and you know. Um, it, Dezino, uh, Tony Dezino wrote a piece on uh, uh, Kyle Larson and should Kyle Larson uh, do the double with Ganassi? You know, Dezino thinks it's a good idea. I don't see Chip doing it. Um, I, you know, Chip is uh, not quite financed all four of his cars. You know, Scott Dixon had a one-off sponsor for uh, for um, for the opener in St. Pete, uh, but he doesn't have full funding for Dixon unless. I, unless Target wants to come on board, I don't see uh, Kyle Larson doing a uh, Indy this year. I think we got to look at you know seeing the resurgence of the Ganassi cars in Cup. I don't think they want to upset that Apple Cart right now. I think their best play would to be to to ride ride the horse they got right now in Cup because they stand to gain a ton. They're leading the points right now. Got got a lot of momentum. Uh, both he and McMurray are running running well. Uh, I think uh, they need to keep their uh, nose to the grindstone and cup and uh, and move forward. Uh, and I think they'll I think cooler heads will prevail when when that comes about. Yeah, and and five entries is pretty ambitious. Uh, the only team that's yeah. pulled off five successful uh, entries uh, traditionally is uh, Andretti. Um, and they'll have five entries at Indy again this year. Uh, again, that fifth car is up in the air. Penske is going to do five entries uh, for the first time uh, this year with uh, Montoya coming back uh, to the team for the uh, Indy Grand Prix and the 500. So, uh, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see who who comes in. You got uh, you got your uh, Alex Tagliani's out there and Stefan Wilson's and um, uh, the Townsend Bells and all these other cats uh, trying to trying to, to chomp down a ride. You'll see um, Smith Peterson will probably have a third car. AJ Foyt will certainly have a third car, um, and and we'll just see that we can get to the thirty three for um, for uh, for the five hundred. Well, Schmidt Peterson does have the third car confirmed. It was Jay Howard. Remember? Well, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Jay Howard is so, uh, so that me- memorable to, that I forgot him. That gets us up to, that, well, that gets us up to about with my with my math gets us up to about twenty twenty four right now. With you got if you know that for definitely that Andretti's going to have five and Pinsky's going to have five, and then with that with what you said just confirmed there. So that's. 
I get yeah, we're right. And um, Sage Karim's got a ride with uh, Ryder Drymbold. Um, he'll be there. Um, we got Yunkos racing with what looks to be two entries, to be two probably. Yunkos, yeah, um, and, and again, the aforementioned Pippa Man. Um, Coin may even put a fourth car in if uh, uh, you know somebody brings a couple of bucks to the table. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll have to see how all that goes. But uh, I, uh, we've not come short of the 33 that I can ever remember. Um, so we'll have to see how that goes. Seth, uh, Seth, you say 28 or 29? Seth, you have a thought? Yeah, just listening and counting the teams up right now that run full-time and the ones you were talking about, and come up to about 28, 29, maybe 30. Right, and we may see Lazier Partners um, come in there with a car. Um, they've got a car. Will Will Marotti uh, is crowdfunding a entry. Remember, Will ran last year with uh, Oriel Servia, and uh, Servia will be there um, at the 500 in the uh, second Ray Hall car, and we may see a third Ray Hall car. It, it just depends, so... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by, by my calculation, uh, Chevy has uh, only eight full-time entries. We've got a number of engine leases they can uh, put out there for um, for Chevy teams or for newer teams uh, looking to um, do Indy-only entries. So, uh, but you know, the month of May is a month away, um, and our time is uh, is gone. So I'm just going to go around the table with final thoughts. I'm going to start with you, Seth. Uh, 43% of the cautions in the Monster Energy Cup Series this season have been caused by BK Racing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, final thought from you, Mr. Josh Farmer. Um, I guess kind of picking, piggybacking off of off of Seth. I, I think those I think those guys have, those BK cars have always been have always been wrecking well. So I guess hold the mustard on them. Okay. Uh, speaking of mustard, Gray, you're heading down to Martinsville to get a hot dog. So, uh, Gray, final thought from you before we uh, I, sign off. I'm looking. Weather looks like it's going to be great this weekend for racing. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, seeing a good show up at Martinsville, and I think uh, I think we'll see a sixth different winner uh, this weekend. All right. Good stuff. Joy Barnes, final thought from you before we sign off. Um. Probably going to be a, an article in the future on Motorsports Tribune about this, but um, you know we had a really nice show in an hour and 24 minutes on the F1 side uh, over the 57, 58 laps they did, and there's been a lot of talk about NASCAR needing to shorten up their stuff. So, going to be putting some something together there. So just stay tuned. I can't wait to read. It. I mean, you know, when it comes to that, I've been saying that for years. That NASCAR races are just a bit too long, uh, especially with the short attention span of the younger generation, Seth. Um, <laughs> but, uh, my final thought is, uh, you know, in a, in a week and a half, um, we're headed to Long Beach, uh, the site of the longest continually running street race in North America. Um, and, uh, they're, they're already out there doing the media stuff. Uh, my buddy Ed Jenks was up there, got a ride in the two seater with, uh, with, I believe it was Gabby Chavez drove him around. Um, um uh, I think it was Zach Veach. Zach Veach, Zach Veach drove them around, yeah. So they're 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 beginning to get that stuff together, and that is uh, again just just a wonderful race. I wrote a uh, an article on uh, drafting the circus websites uh, about the forty plus years of racing action at Long Beach. So uh, you know um you know hop on our website uh you know drafting the circuits, uh, hop on Motorsports Tribune, check us out on Facebook. Uh, 
Again, you're listening to the Hubazoo Radio Network. Uh, Seth is telling me the Darlington throwback schemes are going to be announced soon. <laughs> so that's his uh, final, final thoughts. So uh, anyway, I want to again, I want to thank you, Gray. I want to thank you, Josh. I want to thank you, Joey. I want to thank you, Seth. I want to thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Um, and again, we'll uh, we'll talk to you in a week um, after Martinsville. And uh, you know, just just keep watching the races, guys. Good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.